0: go to Psalm 89 and continue our discussion about the front, uh, the firstborn, and I will try to do this as quick as possible. The the long journey that uh, Israel has taken from Egypt to Bethlehem is a part of the christmas story that is the the real iceberg underneath the story that we typically read and recite and memorize and uh, commemorate in so many different ways and so many different forms and most of the songs about it but we we fail to realize the the, the 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 great depth of the iceberg of the whole story of Israel and so uh, today we're going to look at uh, the firstborn from another uh, facet and another uh, just another view, another angle. I want to ask you this question though have you ever been disappointed with God and with the number of people that are sick today I'm sure there's a little bit of uh, at least uh, you know discouragement you know um, if you've never been disappointed with God, then um, you don't know him very well if uh, if you know him very well, he can often disappoint us. He can sometimes become silent when we would like for him to be saying something. He can sometimes become chatty when we wish that he would become a little more quiet, you know. But if you've ever heard in your heart something crying out and longing for God to do something that you really needed to be done, then you can understand The cry that is found in Psalm 89, and actually, the sheet of paper, if you turn it over on the backside there, the uh, green label, that that cry is, how long, Lord? How long will you hide yourself forever? And um, I I pray that you never, ever experience a time where you go through a season and you're saying, "I, I just don't understand why God has not answered my prayer but it happens and when it does we make certain assumptions and a lot of times the assumptions are incorrect so I just want to uh, take you uh, one step further so we talked about um, Israel and how that that God used uh, the Passover as a way of explaining to Israel his love and his care for them, and so there's a couple of questions that have been asked uh, over the last couple of weeks. The first question was, is, "What is this?" and the the idea of that that question is that a Jewish boy standing in the middle of Passover celebration would look at his dad and say, "What is this?" and when he says "what this," he means He's talking about the Passover celebration. He's talking about circumcision. He's talking about keeping the Sabbath. He's talking about the law of the firstborn. So, uh, just as by way of reminder for those that weren't here, when we studied that, the law of the firstborn came out of God's allowing a death angel to pass through Egypt when he passed through, he passed over Israel because Israel had adorned their houses with blood, the blood of the lamb. They went into their house. They ate the lamb together as a meal. It's where we get communion from. It was, it was actually that it goes all the way back to that. But the death angel, a demon, uh, passed over Israel and went right straight to Pharaoh's house and all throughout his his kingdom. And everyone who was born, a firstborn of the sons, cattle, sheep, and children died. And I just want to stop for a moment and say, um, you know, it's not that God has this dark side to him and sometimes he kills people. Actually, the scripture says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. When I start to question God and his behavior, it actually points out the darkness in my heart, not in his heart. One thing that we have to live with is the consequence of God allowing choice. And he gave permission to a demon to kill the firstborn boy of every house that wasn't adorned with blood. And that's a pretty serious topic right there. He granted an authority, and I just want you to know that that death angel is still in our world, and that death angel would kill not only firstborns, he would kill every child that he could had God not limited the authority on that thing. And there's ways that mankind has allowed for authority to be granted to the death angel to sweep through our cities and through our families. And um, we reap the consequences of that. But it wasn't in God's heart to just start arbitrarily killing baby boys. Instead, what he did was he gave a redemption plan. He said, okay, you slaughter the lamb." The lamb will cover your sins. You put it on your house. You enter that house and you eat from that lamb and you'll be safe. So the law, of the firstborn was remembering that God had with a strong arm delivered Israel out of Egypt and taken them well, they, they literally, they went into the homes one night and the next day they come out in the middle of the night and they're a nation now. They're not two million slaves building pyramids in Egypt with harsh taskmasters. They're now a nation. And they cross the Red Sea and God destroys the army of Pharaoh and those who sought them, they never saw again. Once they entered the promised land, they continue this journey. And in the journey, there's another question that gets asked, and that was last week, and and, and that was the prophet Samuel saying um, uh, to, to God, you know, when God said to him, listen, I want you to go to Bethlehem, and I want you to anoint a new king, and he is found in Jesse's house. And then God asked a question of Samuel, and he says, how long will you mourn? How long will you grieve over Saul, seeing that I have rejected him as king? So the people of God, when they crossed the Red Sea for uh, 70 or more years, they had judges who led them and guided them. And then they cried out to God for a king, and God gave them a king, and Saul was the first king. But Saul rejected God, so God rejected him. Samuel grieved God's decision, and God says to him, how long will you grieve over Saul seeing that I have rejected him as being king? And then Samuel's commanded to go to Jesse's house, and all the boys come through, and Samuel's looking for this king, and he can't find one. And Samuel says, there's got to be another boy around here somewhere, and Good old Jesse said, oh, I forgot I have a son out in the backyard. He's uh, tending to the sheep. And so uh, Samuel says, we will not sit down, we will not eat, we'll not refresh ourselves until the boy has come in. And when David walked in, God had said that he had found for himself a man after his own heart. When David walked in, in walked this young man, who would become the new king of Israel. David was a good king. He became the standard by which all other kings would then be judged. They were either a good king like David or they were a bad king unlike David. And we talked about the issue of David and his sin. By the way, when I mentioned uh, Bathsheba and Uriah and all the things that went wrong there, I forgot about Later in David's life, when he decided to take a census of how big his army was, and he starts counting the people, and the consequence of that action was 70,000 men died again by permission from God. And David realized his sin and he repented again. So, David was a man of bloodshed, he was a worshiper, he was an interesting man in many facets and capacities. God has recently, in these last couple of years, has taken me to the Psalms and back to David and reading his story. And when I read his story, one of the things that I learn is the language of warfare through David. Fortunately, Jesus taught us that we can and are supposed to love our enemies. So the, the, the real enemy is not the man throwing the spear at me, shooting the arrow at me. The real enemy is the enemy behind that man, the, the demonic spirit and the work of the adversary. Fortunately, Jesus would then be able to appear before God and before the world and die for our sins. He showed us how to, how to live. He showed us how to die. He gave his life a ransom for us. So everything has changed with the coming of Jesus but if I could just step back for just one second and remind you that, that David in his zeal for God and his passion for God and and how he wanted to honor God, he said to God, he said, listen, I want to build you a house. I want to build a temple. I want to build a place that is uh, filled with splendor and glory because here I am living in a palace made of ivory and and cedar, and you live in a tent in the tabernacle. And um, we'll talk about that again, uh, Lord willing, next week. But God sends the prophet Nathan to David, and he says to him, listen, this is what God says to you. Uh, By the way, uh, uh, David, uh, all the time that I've lived in that tent among my people, did I ever ask you to build me a house? No, I've never asked you to build me a house. I'm completely content to be among the people in the tent. But here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to build you a house. And then he begins to say to David, you will have a son. He'll build a temple. You're a man of bloodshed. Your hands will not build this tabernacle or this temple. But here's what God says, I will do for you. He said, this son will become your seed. He will become my son, my firstborn. And uh, I will be a father to him, and and uh, he will be my son. And then he says, David, and, and by the way, you will never lack a descendant on your throne. Hmm. So that's what's so interesting about Psalm 89 is that Psalm 89 is 200 years later. And the singer, songwriter, musician, uh, Ethan, writes this psalm. And as he writes this psalm, he begins by saying, you know, God, this is who you are. And this is what you've done. And in the middle of that psalm, then he starts to say, And God, you promised that David would never lack a son on the throne. And yet his throne is fallen in the dust. His crown is fallen in the dust. And the people of God are surrounded by enemies. And they are reproached on every hand. And and, and he begins to rehearse this with God. And in the middle of it, then he just cries out. He said, how long? Oh, God, will you hide yourself forever? How long, how long will you hide? So if you would uh, look at that uh, psalm there, psalm on a sheet of paper, we're going to read just a couple of these verses. uh, Not all of it because it's a long psalm, but, you know, I just want to say personally, this is me just when I run into Psalm 89 and I read it, I pray it, I sing it or whatever, you know, there's, there's something about his statement that is so real and so raw. And I, I pray that you've never experienced this, but if, if you have, like I, I, there has been times when I come before God and I have essentially cried out to God in, in my own way, I said, how long? Okay. Like until you do something here. In 2001, September, on the 11th of September, uh, 2001, I was in a conference. Oh, sorry. I was in a conference, and there were a number of pastors there And on September 10th, the beginning night of this conference, this rather elderly prophet led us in prayer. I don't remember his name. I don't know where he came from. How I wish I could find him. How I wish I knew he's even still alive. But on September the 10th, the end of him leading us in a time of prayer he points at me among these two dozen pastors and he says young man come here well I'm impressed already you know he says the prophet doesn't know how old I am and I walk over to him and he lays his hands on me and as soon as he lays his hands on me He starts to wail I mean he lifted his voice and almost shook the room and he began to cry and to groan and I'm like oh this doesn't seem good (laughs) and uh, when he started to to let loose with words then he started this to repeat this psalm he started saying how long? How long? And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. I mean, I'm going to go with it, you know, but it, it's interesting. It's not every day that this happens. And then he says, seven times, seven times the enemy has sought to kill you. And I'm like, okay, there was this and there was. I'm going through it. I have more than seven, you know. (laughs) I don't know. God's math is a little different than ours. But, you know, he's like seven times the enemy tried to kill you. And you have cried and said, how long? And there was all of a sudden he hit this word and he hit this moment. And something in my heart just broke and just a flood of water come out of me, you know, out of my eyes and I just was reduced to a puddle. And he continued to pray and to prophesy and he, began, he read my mail. I mean, he just... And then he says, I'm saying to you, not long. Not long and God will visit you and he will redeem, and he will restore, and he and it just went on, you know. <clears throat> you know, in the middle of that, I could not put the dots together. I just couldn't figure out exactly what that was. So I went home. I had a recording of it. I played it for Judy. We prayed over it. We talked about it, and... I still have it recording somewhere. But the next day I went back. And um, lunchtime. Ex- about lunchtime. All of a sudden everybody's phones start blowing up. And everybody's getting text. you know. And it's like something crazy is happening in our world. And so... Um, the gentleman who was leading the conference got up and he said, it's, it's become obvious that we're needed at home. So we're going to pray. We're going to release you. And uh, you can go back home and take care of your congregations. And But let's just call on the Lord. And before they did, excuse me, before they called on the Lord, a, a gentleman got up and he just shared a few things. And it was like an Expert analysis of where Christianity was at on that at that day that time, you know. I, I mean, he was spot on. We prayed. We went home. Before I left, there was the old prophet in the hallway, and I went up to him and I said, "Excuse me, sir. I don't know if you remember me." And he didn't really say much. And I said, uh, "I'm just curious." what are you thinking right now? What are you hearing? What are you, what, what, what's going on inside of you? And he looks at me with eyes that were steel cold into my soul. And he looks and he said, it didn't have to be. I'm like, you know. In other words, he knew what had happened. He knew what was coming. He knew the fallout of what was, but he wanted me, since I asked, he wanted me to know that it was not written in stone. It was not God's best purpose for America. It was something that God allowed. And it didn't have to be. And so the question is, like, how do you change that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so if, if you can feel what I'm feeling right now, then you can understand Psalm 89 and, and where I want to go with this in the next few minutes that we have available to us. So, um, <clears throat> real and raw. It could be a twist on the old story, but this time it's not the sinner who's hiding, it's God who's hiding from the sinner it's like god has given up it's like he hid somewhere or he fled the scene this is not the pain of being lost and without god this is the pain of having known god and loved him and trusted him and been in the flow of his redemptive purpose But now God went silent. And I want to just tell you a couple of life lessons. If you want to write them down, you can. But let me just tell you this. When God becomes silent, don't speak for him. Wait for him. Number two, when God is speaking, don't get silent. It's a time to stand up and speak. So when he is silent, don't speak for him. But when he begins speaking, stand up and speak for him. Third and last, when you can't hear his voice, listen to his heart. Turn to the Psalms. You'll hear him. You'll hear him there. Something of the anguish of the human condition that Jesus so beautifully portrayed he prayed so many of the psalms and several of them even on the cross so in psalm 89 verses 1 through 37 i just want to just just grab a couple of those verses look at verse number one he says i will sing of the mercies of the lord this is a good place to start with God. god god you're good I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall build; uh, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. All right. So here's what happens: is that if you go through verses one through thirty-seven, what you, what you're going to see, actually, uh, is there someone back at the pro presenter there? If you could put that uh, PowerPoint on, I could. I can manipulate it then. Um, psalm 30, thirty, I'm sorry, Psalm eighty-nine, verses one through thirty-seven. This psalm is front-loaded with affirmations of God and His faithfulness. And if you go through the text, you'll see that He remembers that God is faithful in nature. God is faithful in covenant. God is faithful. in Injustice. He is faithful to Israel. He's been faithful in battle. He's faithful to his anointed. Over and over again, he talks about the faithfulness of God. And so um, that's a good place to start. When you don't understand, just to put it out there and say, let's let's just do, let's, let's rehearse this for a moment, God. You have been faithful on every occasion. Before I bring my complaint, before I pour my heart out to you, God, this is who you've been to me. And then in verses 24 through 29, the psalmist begins to rehearse the faithfulness of God and his promise to David. Let's just turn to 24 which is on the front side. Um, Well, let me read it in my bigger version here. Psalm uh, 89, verse 24. He said, but my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. This is what God, he's speaking for God now. He says, and in my name his horn shall be exalted. His authority. I as also I will set his hand over the sea, and over the right hand his, and his right hand over the rivers. And he shall cry to me, "You are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation." And I will make him my firstborn. This is just rehearsing what we read in Samuel, what we read in Chronicles of the testimony that God had of David and about David and his son. Uh, Verse 27, also I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My mercy I will keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand firm with him. His seed also I will make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. This is the promise. And then in 38 through 45, now here's the rub. Here's the offense. This is where uh, Ethan just begins to, to swerve into his present concern and condition. Okay, God, so you've been faithful and you have promised, and but now you have cast off and rejected David. He uses the same word as when when when. When God says to uh, Samuel, how long will you mourn over Saul seeing that I have rejected him? So what, what is, is he takes the exact same words and he says, you have cast off, you have rejected your anointed. Just like you did Saul. You said you wouldn't do that. You have renounced your covenant and you said you would not do that. You have profaned his crown, and God, you said you would not do that. You have broken down his hedges, and now he's plundered by everybody. And you said you wouldn't do that. So, we get we get the picture here, right, you know? Um, please, I want you to notice two things. There's a contingency clause here. In uh, verse number, uh, let's see here, the dirty. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish them and their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with many stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness, my mercy, I will not utterly take away from him, nor allow his faithfulness to fail. Actually, the way that God said it to Nathan the prophet who spoke to David, he said, look, if your sons disobey, I will punish them with the rod of men, but my mercy will remain on your house. So there is a contingency here. If his sons break his statutes, then, you know, okay, uh, all bets are off. Second thing is that uh but forever is still forever, so when he says to when he says to David, "You will not lack a son, someone will be on your throne forever, and then all you have to do is look at israel 's history and see how they were torn away by the Assyrians, how they were torn away by the Babylonians, and then the Romans and, and uh, Alexander the Great and so many others had plundered them, you know and put up or set up uh, vassal kings that were not david's seed so uh you you come to this place and you you have to realize that that ethan this musician leading god's people into worship he 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 does the unthinkable it's like david or gary would suddenly stand up and say i gotta be honest with you you know we're worshiping god as we should but but Sometimes you ask yourself, how long until God actually answers our prayer or cry or he hears our uh, request or he understands that we are confessing his promise? How long until he breaks through and does something? Well, I I just want to tell you, um, forever is forever. When God says you'll not lack a son on your throne, Forever is still forever. So, if you if you can turn to Isaiah chapter nine, and the prophet now this is seven hundred years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah says, "For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called." One, by the way, it's not your government; it's his. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hope has a name, Emmanuel, and all these others, right? You know, And of the increase of his government and peace, his shalom, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, in order to establish it, with judgment and justice from that time forward and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So you've got Nathan prophesying how long. You've got Isaiah saying, you will. And then if we were to turn to Luke in these closing moments, in Luke chapter 1... In verse number 29, when she saw him, Mary saw the angel Gabriel, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, the seed of Of the woman, the seed of Eve will crush the head of the serpent. The seed, conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He told Joseph, Emmanuel, so I don't know how he ended up, how they settled that dispute, you know, but Jesus, Emmanuel, I don't know, you know. To see Mary saying, His name is Jesus. And Joseph saying, I heard Emmanuel. Jesus, Emmanuel. Happy wife, happy life. Let's call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end forever is forever please stand up with me i um i have a concern that the church does not realize or know her history well enough To understand that god did not make a new covenant with the church he made a new covenant with the house of israel it is her story it is her king it is her david it is her um, promises that were given and thank god he found a way to include us Gentiles into that. He grafted us in. So this history kind of does become like our history too. But I, I just want you to know this. It's been a rocky road, a bumpy road, but God is faithful and he will not fail. And this same Jesus who has saved you from your sins, This same Jesus that we preach, this same Jesus that we worship, this same Jesus that we have proclaimed his name around the world, this same Jesus did change the world and is ruling in the hearts of those who have accepted him. But brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, it's not the end of the story. The end of the story is there's twice as many prophecies about the Lord returning as there are about his first coming, and this same Jesus will return, and there will be a rod in his mouth, and with that rod, he will make judgment, and he will establish his kingdom in Israel and rule over the ends of the earth, and... All the fun begins Satan will be bound demons will be banished and the righteous will be resurrected <laughs> and we will see Jesus this story is deep and the largest part of it is like under the water the history but I'm here to tell you that the, what is coming in the future far, far exceeds the history under the water. No matter what you're going through right now, it is temporary. No matter what you're fighting with right now, it is temporary. No matter what has you discouraged right now, it's temporary. No matter what is happening or not happening in your world that you would like to see changed, it is temporary. Everything is temporary. But Jesus is eternal. And he's coming. And I came here to tell you that everything that you will ever need is in this room today. Everything that you will ever need is in this room. And he is faithful. He is faithful. Shall we call on the Lord? Shall we call out to him? Shall we repent of our lack of faith? Shall we repent of our faithlessness and our wishy-washy up and down and in and out and insecurities and lack of courage? Father, I praise you and I thank you. And I bless you and I thank you. Because David doesn't lack a king on a throne. Jesus is raised to the right hand of the Father, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus is on the throne. Now we invite you, Jesus, to be on the throne of our hearts. Until that day when you literally rule over heaven and earth, on the earth, from the earth, we invite you into our hearts. We invite you to reign in us. As you dwell within us. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that your people would not lose hope. Hope has a name. Whether we call him Emmanuel or we call him Jesus, he is the king. He is the prophesied kingdom, the descendant of David. David's throne has been reestablished in the spirit realm. David's son still rules and reigns over the hearts and lives of men and women who yield themselves to him. he will surely reign over the hearts of those who will not bow to him one day soon and I pray Father that the next time I am tempted to cry out how long God how long until something changes that I would remember your faithfulness to Israel, to David and to us here today